I'm going to ask a question, and I know Adam likes to do this. We like to do this together, and then when he's sharing and speaking, um, we do the same kind of thing. Ask questions to really get us into this mode of like considering where I'm at, where I'm going, what I'm doing with life. And, and I know that seems to be a, a part of our lives on a regular basis. It seems like, you know, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but... Yeah, I know I've got to do stuff the day when I wake up in the morning. I got stuff to do. I got a schedule to keep. I got things to people to meet with. And there's things that I got to, and some things are heavier than others. Some things are more, they're more of a burden on me than others. But there's, you know, there's this purpose throughout my each day that, that will carry over into the week and carries over into the month. And part of it is, is this very thing right here that we're doing. We're gathering together. And there's something that happens when we ask ourselves the questions of our day, of our direction, that gets us to stop and think, does it not? I mean, to ask the questions. I mean, maybe it's just the simplest. Why, why am I doing this? Why, why am I going this way? Why am I, why am I headed with this? Or what's the purpose of all of this? You know, sometimes there's big questions. But here, so I'm going to ask a question that is a, a big question. Because it's one that Jesus asked, and it's one that Jesus actually put right in front of us on a regular basis. And it's this question, who are you yoked with? Who are you yoked with? And I'm not talking about, like, you know, I looked up the word yoke in the Urban Dictionary, and it has some different meanings than what Jesus meant it to, to mean. You know, uh, talking about draining a three-pointer, you know, got yoked uh, to, to, you know, being buff and stout. You know, I worked out, man, I'm yoked. You know, or, or somebody does something that plays, a, a, I think it's kind of like this, like they, they, they're yoking around, you know, they j pulled a fast one on you. <laughs> I've heard those and I'm like, oh, that's not what Jesus was talking about. So in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, in fact, there's this, um, this conversation that takes place here. Because the word then, every time you guys know this, when you read, and, and if a preacher or pastor starts out in the in the the, the actual passion starts out with then or therefore or, you know, know that there was something that happened beforehand that caused him to say what he said. Well, there's a part of this conversation, so I'm going to leave it up there, Mike. Uh, are, you, are you running the show? Okay. Leave it up there, Michael. Um, something that's taken place beforehand that's in, in the midst of this conversation that Jesus, Jesus is, um, he's, he's arriving in these in, in, in these uh, places to, to share the gospel, to share the good news, to, and actually bring, bring light into the darkness. And before he gets to this phrase here, he says some really, really, really hard things to the people that are in his presence within hearing shot from him. And, and so he, he says some stuff that is extremely difficult for those people to hear. And it's stuff like this, and I'm going to just paraphrase a little bit because he really, he nails them hard with this. He says, if, if the miracles that were performed in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have seen, if they, if that, it basically he says, if they would have seen what I am doing here in front of you in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have gladly repented. If the miracles that I'm doing in front of you were done in Tyre and Sidon, these are places that, that destruction, that God brought about destruction, 
they would have gladly repented. They would have turned to me. But what I am doing in front of you, you are casually just listening and watching and doing nothing about it. Nothing about it. And in fact, he even says to you, woe to you cities. Woe to you entire cities that are seeing what I'm doing and not responding to the call to repentance. Do you hear what he said? That's what he says to these folks. And then he backs it up and he turns around and he says this, which is a, is a statement that is really, really wonderful, that we love to hear. It's one that it's an invitation. That, that's the one we, but how he got to that invitation was a little rough. Kind of like how we're, you know, this morning is a little rough going to get going here. But we're going. And so here's the invitation. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, isn't that such an interesting thing to say after saying, if you see what you see and you don't respond, woe to you. That's not a good thing. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and bear my, let me bear the burdens of your life because I'm gentle. It's a call to repentance. And see, here's what he's, he's playing this, he's laying it all out there. So look what I'm doing, look at the amazing things I'm doing and still be called to repent. I'm getting your attention. And if that doesn't get your attention, which it should, then here, let me give you an invitation of it being sweet and soft, and let me invite you into what I really am offering. An easy yoke, an easy yoke. So what is a yoke? A yoke is a, it's a, a cross member, if you will, a, a long bar that is, goes across oxen, typically oxen. When I saw this picture, I had, I had, to, I had to share it, because I think this, like, uh, not that I thought of the rest of you when I saw it, but this picture did make me think of a few of you, including myself. I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to look at anybody. I'm not even going to look. But if you can see something, this yoke is that bar that's, that's, that's joining the two animals. You could call them beasts of burden if you want to, but that's, that's, there's, a, there's a burden that they're bearing and here's what's happening, and it's, uh, we probably better take it down. That's really distracting. It's a... Thanks, Michael. <clears throat> this yoke is designed to do something. Now, Jesus taught this lesson. He gave this illustration, if you will, for a very specific purpose with a specific teaching and understanding in mind. It's a kingdom principle. He says, take my yoke upon you, Correct. My burden is light. I am humble and gentle. Now, when you look at that ox yoked to a donkey, I'm thinking, let's, let's go with Jesus is the ox and you're the donkey. Okay? It just fits, right? It fits. More appropriate than maybe we could admit. But it is, 
what fits, right? <laughs> it's just so tempting to use the word, but I won't, I promise. I promise, right? Let's, so let's do this. What Jesus is teaching us, what Jesus is, is really offering us as an invitation is this wonderful thing that he's saying, I am gentle, I am humble, learn of me. Learn of me. Do you hear what he's saying in that? He's saying, take my yoke upon, upon you. Because here's, here's the actual happening that takes place in, in this world, in the farm world, is, is to till the land, to till the soil, you have to have a, a either, you know, since they didn't have uh, motor vehicles in that day, they had to have a, an oxen that would drive this till into the ground, and it needed force. And they say that one ox can pull 5,000 pounds. Two oxen together that are yoked together can pull 15,000 pounds. How's the math work on that? Other than, other than when you join forces with something that's greater and stronger, greater things can be done, will be done. Okay, I just heard something really cool. When you join forces with something greater than you, greater things will be done. Thank you. Thank you. That was a call to amen because that was a good statement. That was from the Lord. So here's what he's offering us as this invitation. Okay, can everybody in the room, and I want a show of hands, will you, will you agree with me on this? Is Jesus greater and stronger than you? Amen. The, the double hands up back in the back. Hey, hallelujah. Yes. Amen. So what he's offering us is this wonderful invitation to yoke to him who is greater, who is stronger, who is able to carry any and all burdens that can possibly be thrown on you. Wow, I just heard something great again. Maybe back here they'll respond. Okay, Jesus is offering this wonderful invitation to just yoke ourselves to him. And that yoking is, is rest. Wait, what? That looked like work to me. That didn't it look like work? It, it, and, and when I get up in the morning, I feel like I got to go to work. Hey, well, okay, no amens to that. Okay, I, I, I agree. But here's what's happening is when we take on him and he's bearing the burden and he's carrying the load, we simply are just aligning ourselves with his will. Do you know there's something that I pray on a regular basis? And I know this may seem like, wow, how enlightening. No, it's not. It's in scripture. You know, I walk around nowadays praying the Lord's Prayer, if we call it that. And in the midst of that prayer, it's, Lord, your kingdom come in this, in this room as I walk. Your will be done. Oh, Lord, give me enough for today. May your provision come about. Lord, I, I just surrender all to you. And if there's people I need to forgive, Lord, lead me and direct me that way. Because I stand alive, breathing, because of your forgiveness. And, and, and give me enough. And keep me from the evil one. that He's going to always he's coming after me hard. I know it. And he's coming after his church hard. And I know it. So, Lord, we need and we desperately des we need your protection. We need the protection of God in this world. This, this aligning myself constantly, constantly with Jesus 
is taking on his yoke. And you know what it does? It actually lightens my burden because I'm putting it all on him. Amen? You guys with me? Because when we put it all on him, it's, he's going to carry it, and he's going to carry it well. So I'm going to hit something that's really, really maybe challenging, if, if we will. I'm, in applying that very principle, that kingdom principle, to take on his yoke and applying that to my everyday life. I'm going to take on the subject of repentance this morning because I really do believe that to yoke yourself to Jesus is to live a life of surrender to his ways. And it could really be said that it's a life of repentance continually. Because it's really when I say that prayer, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm also, what am I doing? I'm submitting to his will. And to submit to his will is to surrender mine. And it's a constant repenting. So this repentance is an actual turning from my ways and aligning myself and submitting myself to his ways. So if we hit this hard, because here's what I, here's what I hear in, in Christianity. Here's what I hear in people's lives and church and stuff. and They, they make a statement like this. Well, if God wants me to do it, God's going to do it. Well, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And I think God, you know, God, God must not want me to do this or that because he's not doing it. And, or, or if God really wants me to go this direction, he'll take me that direction. And here's what, here's what I hear that it's a, it's a little off kilter because there is some balance in that, that yes, he will as, as we, but it requires a complete submission on our part. It's a repentance on our part because here's what's going to take place. Did you notice those two animals that were yoked together? And we already admitted, we admitted that Jesus is stronger than us. So if Jesus leads you in a direction and you decide to not go that direction with him, do you know that, that God loves you? Do you know that God loves you? Come on, I want everybody to agree with me. Do you agree that God loves you? Okay, do you know what love looks like? Love makes you love. If, if, if I tell you I love you and you love me, then you need to, you have to, you better do what I say. No, that's garbage. That's not love. That's dictatorship. We're not like, that's not what God's like. Love gives the freedom to choose. See, you say, God, make me do this. God, take this from me. And he says, Yoke yourself with me, and I'll lead you and direct you. But God, I, I want to do this thing and that thing. It's like, okay, but I'm going this way. Do you know what that's going to feel like? No, seriously. Jesus is stronger. Hello? Do we still agree with that? Okay, Jesus is going this way, and you decide, I want to go this way. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, what's going to happen? Okay. Let me, let me see if I can't try to illustrate this. What's going to happen? You're going to, what? Pain. Pain and suffering and hurt. And it's going to ouch. And he's going to be like, but God, it hurts so bad. And you're not with me. It's like, yeah, because I'm going this way. And you're trying to go another direction. And remember that thing, if you could envision it, it's hooked around you. 
and you're trying to pull God your direction. Hello? It's, it is laughable because it's like, it just doesn't work. All I'm doing is, but God, God, where are you? God, why is everything so hard? And it's like, well, just, it could be because you're going a different direction. There's a very real possibility. Now, I guarantee you, I, I know that life will throw stuff at us. And that's, there's, there, you guys have probably heard me preach it many times, how suffering and issues and hardship, it produces, it's designed to produce character. But when it comes to direction of our life, we need to align it with His. When it comes to the direction in our lives, it needs to be aligned with His. Amen. If, if I don't get a response, I'll just keep saying it. And take a water break. Okay. I'm about halfway through my notes. Good. I think we're doing all right. You guys doing all right? Okay. Repentance is an actual turning from your ways and submitting to his. In 2 Corinthians, I'm going to hit this passage of scripture. It's an interesting one. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It's just a, uh, um, Paul, he's writing the second letter to the Corinthians. I don't know if you recall. In the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, the first letter, it was a pretty harsh letter. It was, uh, he had to, he had to um, basically bring to light some, some things that were taking place in the midst of the church that were not okay to God's, uh, under God's standards. I mean, one of them was, it was a real blatant one, which was a man was sleeping with his, his uh, uh, father's wife. And so it was like right out in public. And they, it was a relationship that he was having in public in the church. And Paul said, no, that is not allowed. It's not allowed in the world outside. And it definitely isn't allowed in the church. And he had to highlight it, point it out, and said, and he basically said, put that man out until he realizes that there's, there's wrongness there and there needs to be repentance. So he writes this second letter and he kind of like say, hey, I'm, he kind of says this in the, I'm kind of sorry I had to be so hard on you, but it needed to happen. So, so he says this. He's talking about this thing that's taking place. He says, for this kind of sorrow, talking about a sorrow that, that is a godly sorrow. And I'm reading this out of the New, New Living Translation. Let me pull it. Okay, good. Thank you. That's bigger writing. I could read that without glasses. For this kind of sorrow God wants us to experience, wants us to experience, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. What is he saying there? That's a little bit of a confusing thing if we don't have, I believe, an understanding of stuff that Jesus said, which is, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Life is about repentance. Because here's what he's saying here. This is Paul highlighting this issue of a response on our end. A worldly sorrow says this, says, yeah, I'm sorry, I did it, I got busted, but you turn and do nothing about it. No change takes place. If no change takes place, if no repentance takes place with what God actually shows you, you need to change your ways and change something that's in your life that you're allowing that isn't healthy, isn't good, that's a hindrance, a stumbling block in the way 
of your life going in the right direction. And he's saying, get that out of the way so you can go in the right direction. And we don't get it out of the way. We keep doing it or not doing it. There's things that are, there's sins of omission and sins of, of commission. You know, we commit sins such as, you know, adultery, lying, stealing. And there's, there's sins of omission, which are sins of, of we, 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 we are greedy, we don't give, we, we, we hold things back, we, we steal our time. This is my time and nobody can take it from me. Well, so I do nothing. And he talks about, he, Jesus talked a lot about fear that causes us to, that paralyzes us and causes us to do nothing or, or permits us to do nothing. That's a sin of omission. And he's always moving. Remember, I talked about this. Faith is always moving us. It's a directional force. Hello? Within you. Faith moves you to action. Faith that doesn't move you to action is what? Dead faith. That's what James said, right? You say you have faith, but faith without any works, without any action, is just dead. It's nothing. In fact, what it does not only is dead, but it produces death. What is that death that he's referring to? A spiritual death that is what? Bottom line is what? Separation from God. Now we say, well, but I have Jesus and Jesus is in me. And Jesus, but if you continue to move away from him, he loves you enough to let you keep going. Come on, brothers and sisters. I know that's a hard thing to hear, but we need to hear it because what we need to realize is this there's something on our end. There's a responsibility on our part to align ourselves with Jesus, to yoke ourselves to him. You guys want to go in there, don't you? Sounds a little more fun. Me too. <clears throat> okay, so a godly sorrow, which is going to be a conviction you ever heard the, heard the word conviction of the Holy Spirit? Hey, can you identify the Holy Spirit convicting you today? No, I, I, I need to ask that question so that we understand what that looks like. Are you able to identify God the Holy Spirit convicting you? That word sounds a little bit like heavy, like conviction. I hear of like, okay, like I know Brother George is like, he hears certain words and he's like, he hears things that the rest of us don't hear. See, conviction from the Holy Spirit without repentance on your end results in a movement away from life. Movement away from life is the obvious what? Death. Okay, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I know... School is on and finals are coming up soon, but this isn't that difficult, I promise. The majority of the Holy Spirit, of, of the moving of the Holy Spirit, conviction is pointing out the thing in your life that's hindering your faith. Do you understand that? I want us to hear that really good because that's a good one. The majority of the Holy Spirit's conviction is simply pointing out enlightening us of the thing in our life that's hindering, blocking our faith. Um, and it could be, like I said, it could be a sin of commission, a sin of omission. Something in our life that we do or we don't do that's blocking our faith, our walk with God. Because we walk by faith. Come on, guys. Man, 
You ain't making me do this all by myself up here. Don't do that to me. Help me out. The world response is to redirect any responsibility for my doings, right? Point the finger. Deflect. Some of you are MDs, master deflectors, you know? Because, see, if, if I don't have to take accountability, then there's no responsibility on my end. I can simply tap out and use the card, God is going to do it. Hello? So, why should I even need to repent if God's just going to do it? Hmm. It's going to hurt that way. Because he's stronger, he's bigger, he's more powerful, and he loves you. And he's going to direct you, he's going to lead you, he's going to lead you to everlasting life. And he's going to lead you to rest and peace. But, but, but if, if you just did all this, you know, if you, if you got me that right job, you know, made my wife, you know, listen to me. Made my husband pick up his stuff. Made my kids obey me. Then everything would be fine. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Made my parents cool and understanding. If they would just get it. Sorry, that was, I had to throw that one in there. Yeah. In James chapter 3, this is the brother of Jesus. He said it kind of this way too. He said the same, same kind of things. It says, in, uh, starting in verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Don't lie about it and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is jealousy and selfish, selfish ambition, where those exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. It sounds to me like there's pain there. But the wisdom from above is pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and here's the, the best thing about it. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Do you, do you remember the illustration that we started with that Jesus gave? Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. I'm humble and gentle. The illustration is we can't forget, we can't miss the point of it. Because when, when, we, when we get to the point of it, the, the whole purpose of it, the whole purpose of what Jesus is referring to is tilling the land. Tilling the land. To do what? To sow seeds. To produce fruit. To bring about a harvest. Do you hear that? And if we don't, if we, we, we might, we'll think it's all about me, 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 and myself and me. And he's saying, no, the purpose of it, the whole intention of it 
is to till land to produce, to sow seeds, to produce a harvest. Hello? We can't miss that. We've got we've to stay focused on that. Because we, we seem to, we, don't we forget it? I mean, we, we, we so easily forget it. We make it all about me. You know, the whole, you guys, you guys know I have this issue with every song that's out there that refers to the 99. He left the 99 to come after me, the one. Why do I have an issue with every song out there that Christian artists are portraying today that that's the God that loves me? Because it's all about me. And if, you, if we remember what, that, even that, what Jesus is teaching in that parable that he's teaching about the 99 leaving, he's saying, this is how you as humans should see other humans. The value that I see them as. See, God has no problem valuing each and every one of us. We're the ones with the problems. Hello? We are the ones with the problem. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you guys are not doing it right. <laughs> okay, maybe he said some other things. But that was one of the things he said. He's like, you're making this person more important than that person. This group of people more important than that group of people. And that's not me. You don't be like that. Be like me. And love everyone. Everyone right where they're at. So it's not about me. It's about you and I loving everyone right where they're at. Amen? I've been shown that more this week and more this last couple weeks than anything. How valuable each and every soul is. And it's good to see that. Good for God to show us that on a regular basis. I'm really glad that he shows me because there's sometimes I forget. I'll just forget the value of a soul. Because I get caught up in my busy day, in my schedule, my stuff I got to do. And I forget the value of a, just a living soul. No matter where they're at. Where, what kind of position that they've, they've put themselves in. Their value is so great to God. So great to God. Do you know that Jesus died for you, for every human soul? And I, I, yeah, I do take issue with another thing that is said. When somebody passes away and says, oh, they're going to be an angel. It's like, no. God, Jesus didn't die for the angels. He didn't die to make you like an angel. He died to make you like himself. To bring you into his glory. According to God's value system, you are top. Wow. Think about that. You are at the top. <laughs> I mean, he gave up his life, his son, for you. Not for the angels. The angels made choices. Some went this way, some went that way. And he's, there's no redemption for those that chose the wrong way. None whatsoever. He's not offering redemption to them. He's offering redemption to you and I and everyone you've run across. Come on, brothers and sisters. That's so rich. We can't forget it. To me, that's, can we not see this? Now, this is where we got to see it. 
the alignment, the, 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 the yoking to Jesus is to be like Jesus and see people as he sees them. Love people as he loves them. That yoking is to get everything out of the way that's in my way that keeps me from doing that. And, and keeps me from understanding that there's the purpose in all of this is to, is to produce, a, is to plant seeds and sow, a, a heart, sow seeds to produce a harvest. Right? Brothers and sisters, we need to be getting people here on a Sunday morning. That means, yeah, we're going to lose all the tables because we're going to need more chairs. Sorry that offends you, bothers you, makes you a little uncomfortable. But it's going to happen because God, it's about God bringing in the harvest. It's about God. It's about people. Oh, it's about people, not your comfort. Oh, I like comfort. But I'll sacrifice my comfort for an eternity with people every day, all day, any day, any time. And I pray that we get that. We get that richly. We get that deeply. Because here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up here real quickly. And there's another passage in Isaiah that I, that I uh, you know, ran across, if you can say this, in my studies. And it's so good. Because a truly intimate relationship with God requires barriers to be removed. Okay? Let's just use the illustration of, let's say, my wife and I. We have an intimate relationship. Now, what if our relationship was like this constantly? What's going on there? Uh, There's stuff in the way. Hello? So what repentance is, is getting this stuff out of the way. Okay, it's a table. I'm not going to repent of a table. That's silly. But understand that we, when true repentance is about intimacy, intimacy with God brings us to a place of closeness where stuff is out of the way, where I can actually get close with God, intimate with God, relational with God, because of stuff is out of the way that's keeping me close to God. Amen? What if it's just as simple as that? It's not about all this, oh, God doesn't want me to do this. He doesn't want me to have any fun. He doesn't want me to do this. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. Gonna do this. Gonna do this. List of rules. No, it's about a relationship that's real and genuine and rich. And for our good, for our good, come on, brothers. A, a relationship with God is good. Just flat out good. It's not always easy. But it's good. Amen? Uh, this, this passage in Isaiah, and I'm finishing up, if I can get the worship team to come up, because it's a really good passage. and I'll, I'll try not to butcher it by adding my opinion, so I'm just going to let the Lord speak through it. Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 9 through 12, says this. Well, okay, sorry, let me... Let me I always got to do, because it started with then. Ah, I should have just like deleted that word so I didn't have to do this. That's okay. The, the then he's referring to is, is God calling God's people on account of this, this disingenuine repentance. In other words, it's a, it's a lip service to God. 
You say that you want to be near me, but your hearts are far from me. You say that we're, look at us, we're fasting, we're praying. We show up for church on a regular basis. We even give in the basket a couple bucks. And your hearts are far from me. He says, what I require is genuine repentance. What I require is humble submission. That's what I'm asking. And it's not because I'm a dictator and want to control you. It's because I know what's best for you as a people. You guys with me? Still with me? I know Jack is a little distressed. It's okay. I love Jack. I will never. He is, he is stinking cute. Is that okay to say? Okay, good. Okay, yeah. A stinker and cute? Both, yeah. So let's read this because this, that's the then he's referring to. It says, then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger. <laughs> I, I actually saw that after I, you know, anyway, I did. It's like, oh, that's good. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Here's, here's where it gets good. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out of the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. <laughs> the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and, and, and restoring your strength. Oh, hallelujah to that. Come on, brothers and sisters. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Father, we just thank you for your glory, your goodness, your kindness that leads us to repentance. And we ask in the name of Jesus, by the mighty power of your spirit, we ask right now, the very hard thing to do, we ask that you would do in our lives that you would highlight the things in our lives. We can call it conviction. We can call it, we can call it whatever we want to call it, Lord, but we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to highlight, to, to bring to our attention the things that are hindrances, that are in the way, that are blocking my intimacy with you. Father God, oh, I just want to be close to you. And that's not lip service. That's a genuine cry of my heart. I want to be near you. I want to be intimate with you, so close that when you speak, when you speak, I hear your voice so clearly that I get up, I jump, I move because I know I recognize it's the voice of my loving, living God. And so in Jesus' name, by the mighty power of your spirit, as you do this, as you, as you show us the stuff that's in the way, then by that same spirit, by the same grace, instill within us the strength, the courage, the insight, the wisdom to just humbly repent, to genuinely sur surrender to your will. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.